2: You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your hosts, Maddie Matt,
3: Todd Fox, and Gabby Goss. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator for today, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show, Gabby. And we are back here breaking down another story for you guys, but before we get into that, I want to let you guys know where you can... Get a hold of us. You can uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in the grinding true crime and uh, follow us like our page. Leave a comment. Do what you want. (laughs) Or if you want to listen to us, you can listen to us through Podbean, Spotify, Anchors, iTunes and Pandora. And for those listening to us outside of the country, uh, you can continue to listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker and Pocket Cast. If you want to purchase some merchandise courtesy of the Grinding True Crime, you can go to RedBubble.com. That's RedBubble.com and type in Todd Fox 80 and you can get some merchandise courtesy of the Grinding True Crime. Uh, and always, listener's discretion is advised, and it's one more thing. If you guys can just leave us a liking, a five-star liking, that would be greatly appreciated. Okay, I said all I have to say. Todd Fox. This is your time to shine. You have a story for us, my brother?
2: Yes, sir, I do. So let's get started. It's the uh Pan family. That's the title of this one.
3: The Pan family?
2: Yeah, we're going we're going up uh, north. Uh oh. Yeah. Um the, well after spending a, a lot it seemed like a lot of stories in the SoCal SoCal area. So, Seriously. Yeah, a lot of Southern California <laughs> stories. Um, we're moving up to the to Canada where hockey and maple syrup is plentiful.
3: <laughs> so. Good old Canada. Hey? Yes, absolutely, eh? Shout
1: out to Dia.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, my sister. She lives in Canada with her
2: husband. Shout out to them. Oh, yes. Yes. So this story is gonna take place in two thousand ten. So oh
3: so very fairly recent.
2: Yeah, very recent. And this one made story uh, headlines around the world. Um, the year is 2010. The city is Markham, Ontario. Okay. Which uh, Ontario is, uh, I guess, the Providence or whatever. I know I'm, I might be killing that. Or it's I know it's close to t- Toronto. Okay. So, so Markham's like sort of like a suburb area. Um, the background of the people in this story are, are revolves around uh, the Vietnamese an Asian community. Cause that area in Markham is heavily, um, Asian, uh, has a heavily okay. Asian background because of the people that migrated there, uh, from years ago as either political, um, immigrants or, or, or seeking asylum uh, from your
3: okay. countries. You're telling me a lot that I'd never knew. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and they do have a, in Canada, there's parts of Toronto too that have a large, um, Indian, um, uh, grouping of people as well nice shout out yeah. to the maple leafs yeah up there up there in toronto they have a pretty good mixture of people up there which is nice
3: and the blue jays
2: <laughs> yeah the blue jays and then the raptors there you go raptors
3: that's right the raptors
2: mm-hmm. so in this area it's mostly made up of vietnamese korean and japanese immigrants um that have come for a better life like i said seeking political asylum from either situations they were in over there or just wanting to get away from the hassle or being overcrowded um, most of the houses in the area are just like your typical suburbs down here or any other city where they're basically track homes are all built the same, some a little bit more extravagant than the others, but the basic model. So it's like sort of like when you go into a neighborhood and all the homes are painted the same, they all look the same you're all damn, where's what's his name's house again? Like you're looking for something for it to stand out, but they all look the same. <laughs> get lost.
1: like the houses they build now.
2: <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Um, So the Pan family, they resided in a a brown stucco, uh, two story home, four to five bedrooms, um, because these are nice suburban homes. So they have a pretty big backyard, pretty big front yard. Um, So it's, you know, break ins around the area. It's not uh, are are very, um, you know, rare, you know, home invasions, things like that don't really take place around there. So, you know, it's it's a chilled neighborhood, you know. okay um. So who are we going to talk about tonight? Like I said, the Pan family. Uh, They they immigrated from Vietnam in 1979 to the Ontario, Canada area. The father of the family, his name is, uh, I know I'm going to slaughter this, um, Huey Han Pan. I think it's supposed to be Pan instead of Pan. Um, But I'm going to call him Han. So that's the father. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) you close enough? Yeah. And the mother is Bikha. So I'm just going to call her Bikar. Uh, yeah, I, I can't. You know, it's, it's hard to, like, you know, pronounce that. So I apologize.
3: You let them know to apologize, you know.
2: In advance, yes, in advance. In advance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, in 1986, uh, they gave birth to their first child, Jennifer Pan. Uh, and then they had a son. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, it's much easier, right? And a son, Felix Pan, uh, born in 1989. Okay. Um, yeah well, so the year
1: my brother was born.
2: Mhm. So the these two were born in the in the states. So the overwhelming thing to remember about this story to start off is the fact that the parents are really really determined to give their kids the best life they could possibly give them. That's pretty good. So you got to remember that. <laughs>
1: so they're not like a brutes
2: Oh no no! These aren't the abusive parents. These aren't the. Uh, I mean, maybe we'll get into something later, but these aren't the parents that are that are going to be, um, you know, uh, molesting their children or or uh, beating them or, uh, you know, putting in the, putting them in compromising situations. These th- that's okay. just these people. Okay. So, um, and more about the parents are this: is they they're both really hardworking, determined workaholics. Um, they sometimes pick up second shifts. Um, both of them came over and got jobs at the Magna International uh, Car Parts Factory in Aurora, Ontario. And they worked their way up at the uh, company. And um, they began to save their money. And, you know, they got that nice home in Markham and moved to where all those other um Asian, uh, Asian, so like Vietnamese and Koreans and Japanese moved and uh, found a nice little community. Um, they wanted to make sure their kids were well taken care of. Uh, both Han and, and Bica Ha uh, were good enough financially that they had put, um, that they had gotten in 2004 brand new Lexus ES300 and a Mercedes C-Class uh, 2008. And over the years... Nice. Yeah. And over the years they had accumulated over two hundred thousand dollars just in savings.
3: Okay. Yeah. Watch out.
1: <laughs> Dang. So they did have money. And over a year?
2: No, and uh since about when they since they first came over. You oh, know, since they
3: first migrated. Oh, okay, gotcha.
2: Got yeah, so you're talking about a good like less than thirty years they've got two hundred thousand in the bank savings. That's not bad. It's
3: not yeah, bad at not
2: all. Not bad for immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. So they they put their mind to things. Um and they never went to college, so they never went to college in like, you know, Vietnam and stuff. Uh, so because of this, they worked really hard and uh, with their kids to be the best possible in their class. And it's sort of like that. It's it's um, you know how every race has their um, what's it called their stereotypes. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same with you know with, with Asians in a way they get you know they, they always push academics to the extreme yeah. sometimes it could be good sometimes not but yeah. for the most part to their credit they always push academics and that's you know that's good because their kids usually wind up with good paying jobs good careers and things like yeah.
1: that.
3: that is very true
2: mm-hmm. um so they you know they had money saved up for their college tuitions um you know uh Jennifer was taught uh, by a by a prestigious instructor on how to play piano from the age of four.
3: Wow, that's actually pretty good.
2: Yeah, so through the age of four to twenty one, she had personal, paid for lessons by a pretty good piano player. Watch out! Yeah, she also was figure skating since the age of six. Watch and, out! Yeah, so so you think about. You're pushed academics um, constantly mm-hmm. and you're playing the piano and you're figure skating. Where do you have time to have any kind of fun? Never. <laughs> What's fun? Exactly. I mean, unless you really like piano play or or uh, figure skating. Or
3: figure skating, yeah.
2: Yeah. She, she actually, um, in 2010 uh early 2010 she tried to uh qualify for the canadian olympic team in the 2010 vancouver olympics oh wow but she fell short of qualifying but she still gave it a good college try basically
3: all right
2: um so she also went to a secondary school so i mean again where the hell is the uh (laughs) her time to herself (laughs) um she became very fluent uh, with a flute. No, uh, no pun intended. Oh, dang. Yeah.
1: Um, this girl's all around talented then.
2: She is. She is. And uh, so she was, this was like in 2004, I believe, or 2003. So she's still in high school at this time. And okay. um, she was on a school band. And she did really good to where they were setting up a uh, a trip for her to go to the UK to play for a prestigious uh Crowd over there um, at a um, or no a prestigious event with a bunch of other schools from around the world. Gotcha. Yeah, so so she's at this point. It you know they're strict, but she gets a lot. You know, gets to go places at least. You know, academic. She's going to really good academic schools. She's learning a lot, but she is sheltered as funk.
3: No social life.
2: And what do you guys think about uh, her dating situation?
3: Uh, apparently, <laughs> if she ain't got time to play games, she ain't got time to date. So I'm going to say she's never kissed a boy, even in college.
4: She
1: probably well, never talked to a boy.
3: <laughs> you guys are both close.
2: Uh, she was forbidden to date. It, that's, yeah. Yeah, I see. How <laughs> old was she
1: at this point?
2: Uh, she's 17. Oh,
1: wow.
3: Forbidden?
2: forbidden to date and she would later say that she would when she would least even talk to a boy as a friend it's it seemed like her father would know and she would get a lecture and she felt like she was like he had spies on her like all the time
3: that's now that's kind of extreme
2: yeah and, and in this story I'm not going to get into Felix much because there's just nothing on him so I don't know if he was pushed through the same crap that she went through. Okay. But with her... So I think
3: is, it we're going to be focusing on Jennifer.
2: Yeah, we're going to be focusing on Jennifer in this story. Gotcha.
3: The antagonist.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, because of that, you know, of her, of her term, like, just not even being able to be loosen up the restraints she felt from her parents... um she she felt like she was pushed into a corner because even some of her friends from band would be like, "Hey Jennifer, you want to come over and sleep over you know we're gonna have mm-hmm. a girl's night nope
3: that was forbidden as well are you t- okay I think I see where this is going yeah I
1: mean, this girl had a very like straight line life
2: mm-hmm she could only do and she followed it yeah she followed it to at um okay so. Okay. so yeah, exactly. So so getting back to when she's 17, it's 2003. She makes the trip to the UK with her high school. Um, I guess whatever, you know, spies she felt that her dad was, you know, had on her, he wasn't able to keep tra- tabs on her in the UK because she began to talk with her friend Daniel Wong, who keep that name in mind for later. Um, Daniel Wong. Yeah they became more than just friends over there. She had her first kiss and first other experiences while in the UK.
3: Here we go. Here we go now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it got pretty hot and heavy for them over there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. First ever romance. Right. And you know what they say about first romances. Can you guys tell me or how that goes for, uh, you know, when you kind of break the mold there, so to speak.
3: Usually that's what you're like, your first experiences—that's what you're stuck on, like,
2: or on the person. I mean, like, like, oh, no, your um, first. No, like, I don't. What do you usually do with your first?
3: I mean, everything. <laughs> 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 I didn't know. Again, no, that's not talking,
2: <laughs> not talking sexual. I just mean like, how oh, you,
3: okay, okay, how okay, you okay. feel
2: towards your first.
3: Uh, I mean, you love them. Totally smitten.
2: There you go. You're like you're obsessed over him, Mm -hmm. him or her. No matter how bad the relationship, and no matter how much time goes by, I think everyone can remember their first. You know that's that's always how it goes. Okay. So, um, but the thing is, Daniel wasn't the most upstanding citizen. So, like, if you put the Uh two two together, you're like, okay, you know, uh, uh, you know, Jennifer's just like sheltered, you know, goody two shoes. A plus student plus plus, and Daniel's more of like I just get by at school. I kind of dress still like the late nineties, uh, you know. Um, I, I got a lot of gangbanger friends in the Toronto area. Really? Yeah, he's so he, he was
1: like a rebel,
2: pretty much. Yeah, but still he was in band. <laughs> he made that band, <laughs> <laughs> but somehow, <laughs> but uh, pull up on you on the block. Yeah, yeah and, and, he'll and he'll play a, a flute. You <laughs>
3: check this out homie <laughs> they do they do drive-by fluting over there yeah he's all break yourself
2: <laughs> oh man he's like let me okay. let me lead the homies into battle he starts playing the flute <laughs>
3: all right all right ain't judging
2: ain't judging and, and because he he plays a mean flute and he's a homie he he sells weed as well which has got him into trouble mm-hmm. quite a few times and and that's back in the early 2000s when again weed was more than a misdemeanor in some areas
3: mm-hmm.
2: so um he got into a, quite a few uh run-ins with the law um so
1: hey, that's, that's the worst when you haven't had any experiences and then your first, everything is a bad boy
3: mm-hmm. might turn you out.
1: That's like, dang, this girl's been so sheltered. That's going to snap.
2: Yeah, pretty much. And so with that, you know, when she comes back to the States or to not the States, but to Canada, and she's trying to get back into the swing of things, finishing out school and everything getting set for college. As she's getting set for college, her parents, well, they, they knew about her phone, which she was on their plan, and they snooped into it and found out she's dating the boy, and they they, they take her phone, even though she's over the age of 18 at that point.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah, mm. and, and they start threatening her college future, saying, we're not going to pay for you if you decide to go with him. Uh, you need to refocus yourself. <clears throat> and um, so at this, she said, okay, you know what, I'm going to refocus myself. So a couple months later, out of af- after she graduated high school, um, she attends Ryerson College. And so she gets into Ryerson College, which is a pretty good college for um, the biology, uh, health and science department. She wanted to work at a hospital and and uh help out with kids and stuff so
3: that's still in canada
2: yeah it's still in canada okay and it's in the area where she lives so it's it's pretty close it's it's not quite a community college it's a little better than that um but it's a stepping stone to the main college that she wants to go to which is toronto
4: mm-hmm.
2: and um she figured on doing two years biology um there and health and then uh, move over to toronto college um, so her parents were thrilled because for a few months there, she was just, you know, she was going about her business, um, to where they even let her stay the night at a couple of her friends, uh, dorms while she was at, uh, Ryerson. So they were kind of like letting loose a little bit for her. So mm-hmm. she
1: was still living at home <clears> going to college.
2: Yes. Yes. And, yeah. um, so you fast forward a couple years, she's still at, you know, uh, Ryerson trying to get into, ter- uh, uh, To Toronto and she eventually does and uh, moving towards 2010 she gets a work placement at a children's hospital in the Toronto area so at this time
3: 21 by now? No, now she's 24. Oh, 24, okay yeah, yeah, 24, okay. Are you
1: gonna tell me that at 24 her parents have the same hold on her?
2: I was just gonna tell you that at 24 she's still as strict and held down as a 15 year old. Get out. So she's still living at home. It's it's uh the night of November 8th, 2010, and you have, you know, she still can't make phone They're still, like, checking her phones out, everything. So she has not really had any kind of breaks at all, and okay. she's work, work, work. So with that being said, we have a little audio to play. This is about a three-minute clip, and uh, this is the 911 call that comes into the Toronto Police Department.
0: Okay. Can okay. you help me, please? I need help. Where are you, ma'am? <laughs> 238
4: Avenue. I think we just don't ma'am, know. Ma'am, I don't parasol. Ma'am, calm down. What's going on? Some people broke into our house okay, and okay. just showed all his money. my okay, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am yelling ma'am.
0: downstairs. Please okay, ma'am. ma'am, where are you? 238 Avenue. 238 yeah. Avenue Road. Yes. Yeah. Can you spell the gym the name for me, please?
4: <gasps> Dad? my Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. Hello. I'm okay, I'm oh, okay. Hello. Yes.
0: Ma'am, I need to know your address. Avenue Row, can you please spell Avenue it for me? Avenue Row
4: 238 Helen Avenue. My dad just went outside screaming. Ma'am,
0: can you spell the street address for me, please?
4: H E L E N. So I'm broken and I heard shots like pops. I don't know what's happening. I'm tied upstairs. I I think my dad went outside and he's screaming.
0: Okay, you're upstairs? You think someone's still in the house?
4: I I, I heard them leave. I don't know if they're still around.
0: Okay, are you safe? Can you lock your door? Are you upstairs?
4: I can't. I'm tied. My hands are tied. You're tied? I had my cell phone in my pocket.
0: Someone invaded your home, ma'am?
4: Yes. You heard heard gunshots? They had guns and they were holding me at gunpoint. (laughs) Please, please.
0: Okay, do you hear your mom anymore hey. downstairs? Do you think your mom's outside too?
4: What, sorry. Do you think your
0: mom is downstairs too still? Or? I don't hear her
4: anymore. Okay,
0: just take a deep breath, okay? Do you know what you believe? Do you know that if they know your parents, anything like that? Was there any relation to them? Did they, they call I them don't they? I do They just came and tied you up and...
4: They, they came in and they were like... Where's oh, all your money? Where's your money? Where's your wallet? And they...
0: They were asking you for money?
4: Yeah, could you call
0: my uncle and my aunt, please? Okay. They live nearby. Don't worry, okay? We have lots of help on the way, okay? What's your name? My name is Jennifer. Jennifer? Okay, Jennifer. You're doing a great job, okay?
4: Uh, I, I hear them.
0: You hear them? Okay, just stand up me until you see them, okay? Jennifer? Jennifer? Yeah. You're still on the phone, right? Okay. Do Do you see anyone there? Yeah, I hear them. Hello? Hello?
4: Hello? Hello? I'm there.
0: Okay, Jennifer, they're with you, okay? I don't
4: know. I don't know where my mom is. Jennifer? Yes. They're with you, right? I don't see them yet,
0: I hear them. Okay, you wanna stand the phone me till you see them?
4: them. They're there, okay?
0: Jennifer, I'm gonna hang up, okay? Okay. Okay, take care, okay? We
3: are, okay? Yeah. Okay. So that's the phone call. Wow. That was definitely intense.
2: What did you guys get out of that? And now
1: I I already have
3: an idea. I have an idea too.
2: Okay. Do you just want to
1: hold on to that or? I'm going to tell you right now, I don't trust Jennifer.
3: You don't trust Jennifer? Okay. I don't trust her either. It sounds kind of set up.
2: Okay. Okay. But but do you hear what she said, though, as far as being tied up and all that stuff? Yeah, she said.
3: No, no, no. no. She said that my hands are tied. I'm holding on to my cell phone. Mm hmm. Drop it.
2: Okay, so so let's 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 get into what what was on that. Uh, what happened when the uh, police came? Okay. So, um, so when the police arrived, it was four minutes after the initial phone call. So the phone call that the audio right there was cut up a little bit, but four minutes is pretty damn fast for police to get there. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's you know a suburban you know, Toronto yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Four minutes. That's, that's a record over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly. And, and, but again, like I got to say this, every 911 caller, you would think, you know, they would have better audio. And it seems like mm-hmm. most of these 911 calls, the audio is terrible or barely, you know, um, understandable. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, <laughs> the person could be like, I just got shot. And, you know, my insides are on, on the outside and I'm dying here. So, ma'am what is your address Ma'am, what is, spell your spell your street again it's gary avenue i'm dying ma'am street what is a street i need you to calm down i need your calm down. I you to take a deep breath
1: spell your address yeah
2: it's like you know i wish that that you know when you make phone calls you know damn well that unless you're on a cell phone or maybe if you're calling, like they used to be able just to pick it up like that, it would give you the uh, what's it called? It, it would read your address. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know,
1: that's true.
2: I mean, why can't I they agree. pinpoint your? your? They should they be able to pinpoint, it. yeah, they should be able to ping it or
1: yeah, that should have been possible already.
2: <laughs> something, I mean, but they, they're like, yeah, yeah, we don't care about the intruders still in the house. What is your address? <laughs> 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 But uh,
3: I would never want to be a nine one one operator. Let's just say that. Yeah, you hear a lot of dramatic events
1: mm-hmm. and dumb sometimes.
3: Yeah,
2: absolutely. <clears throat> so basically, two cop cars show up at at the same time in the first four minutes.
3: Okay. they ar-
2: they arrive to the house with neighbors on their porches because they heard gunshots and the father screaming. As he collapses in the um front yard. So he's he's been shot in the face and in the chest. Ooh. Yeah. Um Jennifer's yelling from inside the house. Uh she's saying that she can't uh she can't get up. She's tied down to her bed. And uh so they make entryway to the uh I thought she
1: said she's in the closet.
2: No, she was uh no, she, is... said
3: she was tied down.
2: He has her bed, it's like her nightstand or whatever. She's like tied to it. So uh, they clear the house and they're asking her, you know, if, if, you know, the entryways, whatever. And they they find out that there's, um, you know, they ran out the front door. Uh, Neighbors saw three men leaving the house. Um, Jennifer was hysterical. They asked her where her mom was and they could not, uh, uh, she said she didn't, she hasn't heard from her, nothing like that. Um, They go downstairs to the basement and that's where they find Bikar. Uh, with a gunshot wound to the back of the head, and she's dead on arrival.
3: So, that's the mom,
2: right? That's the mom. She has, a sh- and she also has a sheet put over her head, interestingly enough. Ooh. And uh, that's also where uh, Han was shot, was down there as well. as There was also a second, uh, two more shell casings down there, and uh, where he was sitting next to her when she was shot, and he stumbled his way up, the um the uh basement to the front yard before collapsing um they would yeah they would airlift him to the hospital actually he was that critical so um
1: i'm gonna guess he didn't survive
2: oh we'll get to that we'll get to that
3: Um, i think he did there's a twist with that there's a twist i think he did Uh... i think he did so he ain't shot in the brain. That's got shot in the face. He can survive that.
1: The face can go to your brain.
3: It could be in the cheek. It's but we'll get into it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> He's
3: like, hold on. We're going to argue about this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Let me be cornered for a minute. Hold on. <laughs> so uh, the police find it funny in the initial investigation that there is no forced entry whatsoever. So... For a home invasion, there's no kicked in door, there's no broken window, there's no mm-hmm. um, you know, locks being picked, nothing like that. There's no fingerprints. They dusted everything and found absolutely nothing. And I think I
1: know why. Sounds
2: fishy. So, here's another thing that doesn't add up. For home invaders to come and, you know, they she she mentioned in their uh when they asked her you know they were asking for money right away like they wanted money they wanted valuables there was loose change like maybe a few 20s lying around like in an ashtray or whatever or on the table her purse was right there the mother's and it had over $1000 in it um they oh, have wow. the Lexus and the Mercedes were still in the driveway none were it, they weren't ransacked and they were still there so they weren't stolen mm. The, mm. The keys were hanging up, so if they wanted to take the car and with three, you know, assailants, basically the person could have still drove the getaway car and they could have stole the other two cars.
3: Would have had two. Now, my question to you, well, not a question, but something's striking me. Mm -hmm. Where's the brother?
2: The brother, funny you mentioned that, is out of town. He's actually uh, attending a school event, so he's not in town at this point.
3: Okay, so he has nothing to do
2: He's not, nowhere close to this area. He's a, I think he's uh, close to the States at this time, so he's not even in the jurisdiction. I like how you
3: answered that. Okay, gotcha. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, I knew that would come up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, when talking to Jennifer, she mentioned that her brother was out of town, um, that her mother had came home that night about an hour earlier. Um, she was into line dancing, so... That's okay. kind of not what I would have thought. Kind of random. Yeah. That's yeah. very random.
3: A little odd. No, okay. <laughs> she's,
2: his own. she's a Vietnamese cowgirl, gr- cow apparently. Or she was. I don't know. I mean.
3: <laughs> he
1: really water.
2: What's that? I was taking a squig of water. You don't make me choke me. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, like, you you know, you don't associate, uh, like, usually Chinese or Vietnamese with uh country music but hey you know to each your own I mean, hey
3: to each of them, Yeah,
2: <laughs> they must have accepted the western culture up there baby. there you go yeah so um so then uh she she uh she's also said that her dad had came home from work and that he was winding down watching tv and then he went to sleep uh a little bit after the mom came home from line dancing and uh Next thing uh, she knows, she wakes up to um, hearing noises. Um, she thought her parents were arguing, but it was two other voices she'd never heard before. And they were arguing with Bikar uh, in in the uh, basement. and um, she heard her mom call out for her dad, which her dad then uh, was, you know, talking with somebody else, heading towards the basement. And she was scared at first, but then she mustered the um what do you call it the courage to go to the hallway and look down because she's on the upper floor, she's on the second floor, mm-hmm. and she sees someone ushering uh the you know the father downstairs. Now here's where it gets even more weird. So as she looks down and she sees the guy taking her father down, you know she's looking down, but out of her out of, out of her blind side, a dude comes out of nowhere, tackles her to the ground, and then what do you think he does to her after that?
3: I don't think he tied her up. I just think he tells her to go in your room. Okay.
1: I think she's gonna say that he molested her.
2: I think Maddie's closer on this one. What? Oh wow. Yeah. What What happens is he. Grabs her, put you know, puts her hands behind her back, ties her up with, get this, not a rope, not zip ties, shoestring. <laughs> exactly, shoestring. Mm-hmm. Ties her up with shoestring, and and starts yelling at her to give him money. Um, she has twenty five hundred dollars in, in one of her drawers underneath her TV, and, and she gives that to him. He's asking for more, cussing her out. She finds another thousand dollars in her mom's room. God, oh, they just got G's laying around like that? Okay. I, I guess so. You know, I for guess me? So. um so she comes up with thirty five hundred instantly, but that's all she knows um what money that is in the house. Now again, the cops would find more money lying around the house that the intruders never got. But to this point she's giving them thirty five hundred dollars. And they're okay. not satisfied. Um, so Jennifer was then tied up by the assailant that um, that got her with more shoestring and tied her to the bed. Um, she could hear her mom and dad pleading with the uh, assailants uh, in English and also in Vietnamese. And her mom is heard saying, please don't hurt my Jennifer. She had nothing to do with this. Please... And she's crying out. And one of the assailants uh, says, don't worry, we'll take good care of her. And at that same moment, uh, the father is pistol whipped with a gun. Ooh. Yeah. And um, so he kind of like falls to the ground. He's looking up. So picture him sitting in a chair, hands tied. Um, The mother's hands are tied, sitting into a chair next to him. He's pistol whipped over the back of the head, so he falls forward off the chair. He's kind of looking back at the two assailants mm-hmm. and and that are behind his wife in the two chairs. And the one that pistol whipped him just as soon as he gets a look at both of them, takes the gun and just fires one into the back of his wife's head. And and oh. then then turns the gun at him and shoots him twice.
1: Dang.
2: Yeah. And um, so then at that point, the three run up the stairs, uh, the two run up the stairs, and the third one leaves her there upstairs, and they all run out at the same time. That's when she makes the 911 call a couple minutes later.
1: Okay. Yeah. You are going through all this. But somehow you manage to have your phone on you the entire time that this guy is tying you up and leaves you tied up to your bed.
2: I like that you pointed that out, yep, you caught the fact that she, she was not ser- uh she was not searched and her phone was not taken away from her, so yes, there's another clue
1: and that's it's still weird to me. the first place anybody looking for money will look is the purses
3: mm-hmm, and that was left untouched now why my thing is. Why did they say leave Jennifer alone? She had nothing to do with this.
1: Because that's what she's saying, they said.
2: Yeah, the the mother oh. the mother the mother was yelling that out, like, please don't touch my Jennifer, you know, like there, she was thinking about her daughter um to the moment she died. Mm-hmm. In right.
1: my head it's convenient for Jennifer to say that because that would tell them that the parents had secrets that she didn't know about. Therefore she's innocent. Mm-hmm. She's already taking the blame off herself.
2: And here's here's one that Maddie will appreciate. So, And I mean that in a, sarca- a sarcastic way. <laughs> um. So usually in cases like this, if you want to throw the police off, and it's a different race, and it's not that race that participated Here in that. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> Who do you think... <laughs> What race do you think she blamed on this one? Mine. <laughs> she sure as hell did. She went with an African-American with a hoodie, another African-American with dreadlocks, and another light-skinned African-American with a Caribbean accent. So, so basically
3: Alicia, they were all black. They looked that, alike.
2: <laughs> that's what she said, yes. yes.
1: That's the diverse versions of all black.
2: Yeah, she basically said that, and she said, they all appear to be in their late 20s to early 30s. So not too much of a, a description to give to the Canadian police other than the fact that they're going to be looking for some African-Americans. Where's so, Drake? <laughs> so unfortunately, if you have three...
1: He had no more details on the one that spent his time yelling at her and tying her up.
2: That's the best she could do. And, and granted, none of these guys had ski masks on or nothing. So mm. that's the best she could do. <clears throat> okay yeah so um, let's see uh, so yeah the the gunshot again hit the father in the face and the chest and uh, you know he, he he basically struggled up upstairs because he woke up uh, a couple minutes later and, and you know made it up made it upstairs while she was making the 911 call so that was him on the phone you could hear him screaming I mean that's yeah. The, yeah we heard it yeah it's pretty uh pretty hard pretty to hear graphic. yeah pretty graphic right there
1: yeah that gave me
3: chills mm-hmm so at that time he was out unconscious
2: yeah he made it upstairs and when he was yelling he was making his way to the front door trying to get some help and uh, he collapsed on the on the front uh, yard in front of all the neighbors and the police as they got there
3: I'm gonna be honest man her tears sounded fake like it sounded staged.
2: Mm-hmm. well keep a note of that too we'll get into that <laughs> okay so you remember daniel
3: wong right daniel wong the boyfriend the boyfriend yeah don't sound black to me but okay yeah
2: yeah yeah he's not black um <laughs> he he basically uh gets interviewed because uh obviously they find a lot of communication with you know they search your cell phone because they want to mm-hmm. you know want to see if uh You know, uh, check things out and make sure that it wasn't an inside job. So they're checking on her, and then they're they're, they want to talk to someone that's familiar with the family. And he's been familiar with the family for a while, but they find out that you know he's been at odds with the family because the parents hate him. And and uh, so they're checking out his alibi, but he keeps saying certain cryptic things that are like, "Hey, you know what? Maybe we should interview Jennifer a little bit. You know, find out what she." you know some of the stuff's not adding up so
1: yeah the assailants are not black because if they were the parents wouldn't be begging for their life in their own language
2: yeah exactly and what what would happen is as the police were you know doing an investigation they Good couldn't point. find they couldn't find no fingerprints or anything else like that the police wondered what gabby was thinking and you know why was she tied up and and not assaulted in any way. She wasn't hit. She wasn't sexually molested. Um, her, but her parents got the worst of it. So, and and then they couldn't wrap their head around what Gabby was talking about too. The the phone. How the hell was she able to wiggle that phone out of her back pocket? They never checked for it, and still make the phone call while being tied up. Yeah. So and then. <laughs> Jennifer, you dirty rat. And what, a, what <laughs> and what about the shoelaces? Who uses shoelaces? Who
3: shoe, I, I, yeah, bro. You can break a shoelace with you. T- <laughs> yeah, come on. I, I'd be
2: begging him at that point. I'd be I'd be doing the reverse psychology. I'd be like, oh don't, don't use those shoelaces. Damn it. I can't get out of those. <laughs> don't you tie me up like that,
3: mister? Don't you tie me with them shoelaces, man? <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> It's like if you wanted to really, uh, if you really wanted me to escape, you'd use that heavy duty rope from Home Depot. But mm-hmm. when you put those shoelaces on me, man. I'm, I'm just stuck. It's over. Just kill me now.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, so the police they they actually have it on video where uh, you could watch the interrogation of her and they actually take the shoelaces and do the exact same knot, put the phone in her back pocket, and they're like, all right, Houdini, show us how you did it.
3: <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah, they did.
4: <laughs> but,
3: well, I can say this. These uh-huh. cops are a lot better than we've ever heard before <laughs> in the past. So <laughs> credit to these cops in, in Canada. Yeah,
1: there's no Billy Bob
2: here. Well, no, there's not. There, there's just a bunch of, hey, uh, how are you going to get out of this, Hey, buddy. Come on, come on, buddy. Let's go,
3: eh? They're actually doing their job well.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but to their amazement, uh she actually wiggles out of um the shoelace yeah. ties. Get out. And is able to show how she was able to with one hand pull the, the the phone out of her back pocket, dial 911 and turn the volume up so she can hear the of uh, the operator. Wow. But when they
1: showed up at the house, does she have both hands tied up still?
2: Uh no, she had one hand tied and she couldn't she couldn't get loose with one hand loose. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
1: Okay, so
2: there's, the
3: there's that. <laughs> I'm tied, I'm holding my cell phone. So Drop she
1: ties one hand to make the call, but does not untie herself completely.
3: She had to make it look realistic. She was still <laughs> tied up, you know? She
2: she also had no uh, ligature marks. Because, you know, like, mean, you tie somebody up.
3: Yeah, when
1: you're struggling, you're going to have something. You're going to bruise.
3: <laughs> I have a feeling that it was Daniel Wong, and she was okay with it because she was tired of being the freaking sheltered 25 year old.
1: I'm <laughs> saying it sounded like clue. <laughs> It was Daniel Wong in the study with the red. <laughs>
2: hey, I got another. Okay. I got another bad joke.
3: It was the Wong guy. You know what? <laughs> Sorry, that was just Wong, man.
2: You know? <laughs> oh, wow. Oops. That's gonna go over good in the Asian community. My bad. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we're kidding guys we, we're just having fun Joking. yeah exactly
2: <laughs> but uh, Jennifer didn't even have a paper cut not even a paper cut
3: yeah man whoever states this uh, kind of failed
2: Hmm. so <clears throat> remember early in the story the family couldn't stand Daniel Wong and uh, mm-hmm. you know they gave him an ultimatum either pick him or the parents mm-hmm And because she would lose her college and everything else like that. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Well, a couple days into the investigation, they are trying to, um, you know, they're they're checking her background. And, you know, with her high academics, her 4.0, all that stuff, her going to college and everything. Mm -hmm. It turns out that her grades weren't exactly as outstanding as her parents or everyone thought they were. Get out. Exactly. Her grades. She's been pulling a scam. Her grades had been forged and signed off by Daniel and others pretending to be her teachers over the years. What? Yes.
3: She's been bamboozling them this whole time.
2: Yes. She didn't even graduate high school.
3: What? What?
2: Yep, she did not graduate high school and she did not have to see this coming.
1: Okay, how would the parents not know that, though, with no graduation?
2: Good freaking question. I don't have any information on how they did not attend because her graduation. Because any
1: parent whose child is doing that great wants pictures and memories of everything. You're going to be at everything.
3: Well, they are low-key.
2: Well, I, I don't know how that would go, but I think Gabby's right in a way. You know, you'd know, you be there proud and being like, oh, okay, this is a first-generation American version of our family Graduating.
3: Unless you call it Maybe off sick.
1: She, yeah, she faked being sick on graduation day.
2: Maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, she was, she was, she did not uh, graduate high school. And in Ryerson College, she was not a college student either.
3: She was a dropout. Well, she wasn't even registered.
2: Yeah, she wasn't, she was not registered. All those forms were, were, um, uh, What is it called? Forged. And the thing is, she was so sheltered, she was not allowed to drive. So she was being driven to and from high school to and from college. Now, when she got to college, she she did the old, hey, see you later, dad. Uh, Pick me up around three or four uh, later on this afternoon. Sure thing, honey. He drives off. She waves, starts walking towards the campus. As soon as he's out of view, Daniel Wong's there to pick her up and take her to his house. She slide
3: year. those years. So she wasn't as innocent as we thought she was.
2: No, So there was no Ryerson College. There was no studying to become, you know, a biologist. There was no uh, jo- uh, what is it transfer to Toronto College, which made her parents really excited. And there was no externship at the college or at the hospital. As they wow, so every time she gets dropped off, she's going somewhere else. The money is going to another account, so the they are making money. Daniel and um and her Jennifer, yeah, Jennifer. As the money is going to a private account instead of the college. So
3: the parents are thinking they're putting money into the, her college tuition and all that's good stuff, but it's really going to their secret account. Exactly. Wow Hey It takes a smart brain Dang. To do To pull something like that off. i give them
1: No it takes an evil brain
3: I'm just saying Like <laughs> they 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 were smart enough To pull that off That's what I'm saying mm mm-hmm. They're so, wrong
2: So this is This is setting them up For their future So the police right now Are acting like As they're finding this out They're like You know We're gonna interrogate her For a third time Cause they've already Interrogated her like twice At this point Twice already and they're going to set up a third investigation because they're like, you know, by this time, it's about a week or two later after the murder. And they're like, OK, you know, it, um, there's she's setting something up. I mean, she's she's getting money. They're setting up their future. Um, so as they're about ready to interrogate her again, um, you know, uh, she her mom's funeral comes up and her she's at the funeral, not really showing too much um uh, what do you call it
4: emotion.
2: emotion at all and um uh Han woke up from his coma the father yeah. you know a day before the funeral mm-hmm. and he had uh he couldn't talk you know his, his mouth was almost blown off almost um they so so the police were frustrated they couldn't talk to him and he was so badly injured he couldn't even be at his wife's funeral so he was in oh. yeah um that sucks yeah so he was in the he was still in critical condition at, in the hospital at the time um so uh so a few a few days later after the funeral um he began to be to at least um write things down and on like a white a whiteboard and he began to be able to mumble things to being able to talk a little bit. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So right away, uh, the police went in there and they wanted to get his version of the story before they talked to her again. <clears throat> and he, his side of the story was that he was sleeping comfortably when a, uh, a young gentleman was over the bed with a gun pointed at his head and telling him to get out of the bed. He could hear his wife, uh, crying, uh, from downstairs uh, he was then escorted downstairs. And um, here's the thing, though. As he was getting ready to go downstairs, remember Jennifer was, you know, you know, seeing him being escorted down the stairs?
3: hmm
2: What do you think, you know, we, we know what she said to the cops, what she saw, but what do you think he saw as he was going down, as he looked to his right?
3: I'm going to say he saw Jennifer uh, standing there.
2: I would say she was downstairs. Okay okay, so Matt's right. He saw Jennifer standing there, not tied up, and talking casual casually to one of the intruders. Mm. So he went from scared to death for her, thinking like he his thought process was just like his wife's was like, Oh my god, I don't care what happens to me as long as Jennifer's safe. I hope she's hiding, I hope she's uh, okay i hope she's not being raped oh. beaten or or abused and then he looks over and all that is gone like he he goes completely frozen because he doesn't know what to think his daughter is just looking at him with a blank stare and then talking to the other intruder while the other intruder's got a gun firmly pointed at his head and walking him downstairs damn so i and at this point I'm, I'm i'm only thinking of one word to to say if i'm thinking in my head and i'm han i'm thinking betrayal Mm -hmm. and he's been betrayed just like that so that's the setup right there and then he said that they were downstairs tied up for a brief second um they were asking him where the money's at they know they have a bank account they're trying to get the information han is refusing but he said if if he gives him the information will he let them all go that's when he was pistol whipped And then that's when he fell to the floor. Then he saw his wife get shot. He was then shot point blank in the face and in the chest. Then he, uh, next thing he knows, he's like out for a couple minutes. He rolls over to his wife, Bikar, and is shouting her name in her ear, but she's not moving. He then unties himself a little bit enough to shake her, and she's not moving. And then he's realizing that if I don't get out of this basement, I'm dead. And he tried to make it outside. He saw some lights in the distance, of police cars, and then that's when he collapsed.
3: Damn. That's man. That's like a scary movie, dude.
2: Mm-hmm. So, um...
1: he's the devil.
2: Yeah. No parent. So right away they they want to they want to talk to her. They're like, well. You know, she's, this does not sound, you know, um, you know, like, like she's been depicting the last couple times, you know. And um, hearing the 911 calls, the police, and, and the fact that the goods weren't stolen, all this other stuff, it's just not adding up. So they bring her in for an interview, and they start talking to her, and but not to hear her story, which they've heard two or three times her repeat.
3: They won't set her up.
2: Yeah, they're they're basically like, hey, you know what? We know what happened. Now you need to tell us if you want to save your ass, you better tell us. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think she does?
3: She keeps on with the with the lie.
2: <laughs> okay, Gabby. I think she breaks. We well, she's
1: are... gonna blame it all on her man.
2: Okay, well, you're kind you're kind of both right. Um, she does break but but she she sticks to the story um but but she kind of puts a little twist on it so a little twist for her mm. um she says this now again <laughs> i think she's so stuck with her original story because this is what she comes up with after rocking back and forth for 30 minutes not saying a goddamn word she wow. com- she comes up with a story of okay okay this is how it went okay follow me uh, so, so I have $2,500, right? And I have another thousand. So that's $3,500, right? Okay. See, follow me, follow me. And, um, so I hired these two goons that hired another guy. Cause I had to pay him, you know, like a thousand dollars each or whatever. And it, I hate my life so much that, um, it was supposed to be a higher, hired suicide, uh, I wanted them to kill me, uh, but I think they just got mixed up and they killed my parents instead. So, that's what happened.
3: Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it—the world's dumbest idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what the? What the heck?
1: So why not just kill yourself? Yeah. No, come
3: on now. Come on. Yeah. I'm
1: gonna pay money for somebody else to take me out of this world because I can't stand my life. Who yeah. the hell does that?
3: Yeah. That, that's one generous, suicidal person.
2: I'll tell you that. Like, come on now. No. Yeah, so my best, my favorite quote from this is the head, the lead detective looked at his partner and said, uh, so you lied to your parents and you convinced them that you were doing all these academic things for for over seven years. And this is the best you can come up with to us. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, didn't believe it, Johnson.
1: Was, he wasn't wrong.
2: <laughs> no, they were ready to sprinkle some crack on her. This, this, <laughs> this case was over right then and there when she came up with that.
1: Did they give her a crown. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly.
1: <laughs> Stupid ass.
2: Let's sprinkle some crack on this Johnson and cut the case. <laughs> yep, call it a day. That's it. Um. So then she tried to say, okay, well, it was the way I was raised. I was sheltered too much. I didn't get to do this. I didn't get to do that. So I kind of like just broke out and, you know, decided to hire, uh, hire these guys to kill me. So she's still stuck with that, despite, you know, they're like, well, we believe the fact you were sheltered. We believe the fact that you weren't allowed to live your life, that there's a saying for it in the Asian community. It's called like tiger parents or something like that to where um, I guess it's, they're just a domineering force in their kids' lives. Okay, never heard of that, but okay. Tiger parents, are, it's something like that. Okay. And uh, so they, they they realize that, you know, that's a thing. And, you know, she was obviously, um, you know, uh, having to put up with that and being a victim of that. But that does not constitute what happened and what she pulled off.
4: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> At so, the end
1: of the day, you know, as strict as her parents were. <laughs> They were putting all that money so that you could succeed.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: But, like, yeah, you couldn't date. Yeah, you were sheltered. But Hey, the moment you had a degree and you had a job, you didn't have to deal with that anymore. Like, I don't... It's not a reason to get rid of your parents. Like,
2: (laughs) so stupid. Yeah, she could have been on her own if she actually would have went to class. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So... On further investigation, though, the police also found another motive. So obviously they were banking the money from the, the parents, but mm-hmm. they also uh, went upon their death. Um, Felix and herself would inherit uh, half of the estate that they, that they have built for the last over at this point, almost 30 years of hard work, working investments and all that stuff. The the Han family was worth two million dollars. Oh, no. So each kid would have got a, a million dollars, you know, uh, on the the parents passing.
1: I think Felix wasn't so innocent.
2: Well, Felix was. It it really? turned, yeah, it turns out Felix had no clue what was going on, none whatsoever. Wow. Yeah, he had no clue, but he just it happened to be. 'Cause they, they investigated him too because they wanted to know if he had motive like see Gabby went right for him too. I would have too. I mean, that's a smart move. Like he's mm-hmm. gonna, he's gonna pick up a million too, but um he had no clue. And he obviously didn't want his parents killed. He didn't have that animosity towards them that she did.
1: Dang. Okay, sorry if he likes my bat. Yeah. <laughs>
3: well there's not much a lot, I thought about it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um
2: but at this point, okay, so they know Jennifer is the mastermind. They need to find the other three guys. Cause even the even the witnesses outside said there was three guys that left the house. So they know that there's three assailants.
1: Okay, your wang guy is definitely one.
2: <clears throat> Actually, the wang guy isn't. Get out. <laughs> He's not. He's not. No, he he
3: hired them then.
2: Bingo. Actually, Matt Matt got that one. Um they do, yeah, they do their due diligence in research of cell phone records and other things. Um, and also checking security cameras on other people's homes in the neighborhood. And they're able to track it back to one David Millville. Um, and also, uh, let's see, Eric Hardy and uh Linford, Linford Crawford. Uh, so yeah, they don't
3: sound black at all.
2: Well, one of them is one of them, is. of
3: them, probably Eric Hardy.
2: Well, actually, actually, uh, Linford is the black guy, yeah, yeah. Eric Hardy is a uh, I think he's mixed, and then David is uh, is a white guy.
1: Does he have dreads?
2: No, no dreads whatsoever.
3: <laughs> there, was never dread. there was never dreads, <laughs> he was dreading. She said that. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> you like what I did there? I do, I do. That's a good one. <laughs>
2: But see now you guys were right and wrong about Daniel Wong. So you were kind of wrong but you're all right. Uh,
3: <laughs> okay. I like what you did.
2: I, I keep using that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um so Daniel Daniel's actually he is he's not he was not there at the scene okay. but he's the go between when Jennifer came up with the plan to actually have this go down. So because of Daniel's drug dealings these guys are like sh- low-level street thugs and they're drug uh you know drug abusers with long uh rap sheets. So for a few thousand, yeah, of course they're going to do something stupid like this. So he got those three to to uh, uh to go along with the case. So so Daniel Wong is arrested as well. So now you have five people arrested.
3: Wow. Yeah.
2: And because of this, and there's so much evidence, in fact, um, it, t- it took almost uh, four years to see court. Uh, it, the trial began for the five people. So,
1: Jeez.
2: Yeah. So, crazy.
1: so their son inherited everything.
2: Um, well, I'll get to that right now. I'll get to that. So in 2014, the case starts for Jennifer. Um, she's, she's being charged with, um, with conspiracy, first degree murder and attempted murder. So there's three things to it. Yeah. And the motive being the $2 million, the money they got before that, you know, that they're trying to set up to the, the police are saying the prosecution saying that Daniel Wong and her are trying to start a new life. Like they want to move away, live off the parents' wealth and just disappear and do their own thing. hmm so Jennifer's again, to everyone's surprise sticks with the story of, Hey, I want oh, someone to dear. kill me. <laughs>
3: yeah. You just don't want to give that one up. Huh? She
2: doesn't. She's like, can I Venmo you my uh, suicide? <laughs> That's money? That's even
1: more embarrassing. Like, just drop the act.
2: Yep. She sticks to it and that does not help her case. Uh, she's because of Canada and you know, Oh, Canada. Um, they have no death sentence and there's been cases that and there's one that I want to get into later on where <clears throat> the guy and girl kill their parents and uh and their siblings uh, you know her boyfriend and her killed kill like six of her family members six okay oh, okay that's six human beings okay I-, I could see in the united states we've done cases where you know, one person gets killed by someone, and you figure, okay, they still should go to jail for at least 25, 30 years, maybe even 50 or a life, right? And they mm-hmm. get, they get paroled after 15, or they only do the 25 and they're out. Mm-hmm. Um, in Canada, that the daughter, um, which committed, helped commit the six murders of her family, she got out of jail in 25 years. So they don't, Over there in Canada, they don't stack the sentences. They don't say, okay, 25 for this one, 25 for that one. Like here, they'll give like 900 years to like the Golden State Killer. and Mm -hmm. But they won't do that in Canada. Like it all is concurrent. So if you're sentenced to 20 years for killing six people, you're going to get out in 20 years. Wow. Yeah.
3: Ain't no question about it.
2: No question about it. And, and parole is much easier to, to to get out of up there because all you do is say, hey, man, I, I'm going to uh, obey the, the traffic signals, eh? And uh, and I'll check in with you guys, okay? And they're all, okay. Parole <laughs> accepted. So she gets 25 years to life, and the earliest parole that she can um, be granted for is 2035. That's when she heard
3: 2035.
2: Person. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow.
2: She's still got a bit ways to go.
1: That's not enough.
2: It's not. It's not. Um, Daniel Wong, uh, Linford, and Eric Hardy are all tried together, and they are given 20 years to life, which, again, they can get out in 20 years. So let's see, 20 years from 2014. uh, Yeah, they're looking at uh, 2034. 34 they can apply for parole um eric hardy uh was the only one tried separately because he was already up for a murder charge Mm -hmm. so he had killed he had killed someone in between the time of the uh the the murder of the hans Mm
3: -hmm.
2: or the Pons um or the murder of the uh, the the wife i'm sorry yeah Uh, he he was uh he also committed a, another murder so he was up there he turned state witness and here's the interesting part uh he turned witness against the other 3 and got them implicated and uh, he would wind up being murdered 2 years into his prison sentence as he got 15 Are years. you kidding me? Yeah and there's and there's some people that speculate that he was off because he ratted on the other 3
1: I wouldn't be surprised
3: yeah, that wouldn't
2: surprise me at all. Yeah. So he so he dies. Um, so th- those are the 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 fate of those five. Um now getting to Jennifer's brother, um, Felix, at the victim impact stating uh statements, he told that uh he told Jennifer to her face that she ruined his life, um, destroyed the family, uh, hurt his father because his father did survive, mm-hmm. uh, surprisingly. And um you know, she ruined the the pawn name, and and uh, it was hard for him to find a job because people thought knew of him as her brother, mm-hmm. and so like he had to move out of the the out of Canada altogether to start
3: over. Damn.
2: Yeah, um, the most heartbreaking one is the father. He stated that um, he used to love working on cars, going to work, um, gardening was his a thing that remind him of Vietnam, uh, just the little things, the simple things that he enjoyed with his wife. And he said that all causes him pain and he cannot do any of it at any uh, rate that he used to and can't get any joy out of anything. Uh, It's hard for him to see hard for him to eat. And the physical pain does not occur. bring up or amount to the amount of emotional pain of not having his wife there that he loves so much so he said that his um, wife died after his daughter died and the judge asked him what he meant by that and he said when once he looked over and saw that she was talking to the intruder that she was that he knew that she was dead to him at that point even before his mom or his Dang.
3: wife yeah
2: so
4: you yeah how can
1: you me. ever forgive that you can't oh, i don't not. care how great a parent's love for their child like no.
4: mm-hmm
2: and again in the uh because those are victim impact statements where you're talking to the person in a court And he's super emotional. He's trying to keep it together. And she has no emotion whatsoever. None. None.
1: She's dead inside.
2: Yep. And that is the Pan family story.
3: Wow. This one definitely had some twists. Because, I mean, we kind of obviously, not obvious, but we kind of knew the girl would be the one. But we didn't see all these other things that took place. Yeah, I
1: definitely was... knew her man was implicated too. Mm-hmm. But I thought he was there at the scene.
3: I did too. I did think it was uh, Daniel there that popped the slug.
2: Yeah, I mean that at first too when I was doing research on it I thought, you know, he had to have been there. He was one of the guys or at least, you know, maybe he was the guy upstairs with her, you know, like kind of just talking with her like hey baby we got this mm-hmm. you know at least yeah but he at least for him he was smart enough um not to be um in the area to to be seen or recognized because you know he had probably walked her home a lot or or mm-hmm. dropped her off in the neighborhood so he might have been recognized um so he was smart there but he was dumb because they had a lot of text message information about him Um, the phone calls that he made to her often so they knew that she he had to be implicated somehow Mm -hmm. just by cell phone wow
1: that was a stupid stupid evil ungrateful
3: shout out to the police
2: yeah the police did their job in this one i I couldn't make i couldn't mock them at all i really couldn't (laughs) the worst i could do was be like they were too nice you know
3: but yeah they did a really good job
2: but uh i gotta say one thing though um it's it's just a shame because uh like one other thing i'll bring into it like the like, like the brother said that you know he can't go about his business they know him as her you know as her brother and you know the name has been soiled so the, a lot of pride is in the asian community mm. and they and they all you know in that and that's that's big in their community and because of what happened you know people don't look at them the same whether that's right or wrong and you know they're kind of looked look down upon because of all the twisted stuff that went on because now everyone mm-hmm. that was a huge story up there at the time so um it must be hard you know because uh the the father still lives up there you know with his i think his brother now helps take care of him but the the son moved away so
3: dang yeah
2: that's tough
1: Man, um, how do you go on living your life with something that traumatic
2: right i mean you can't
3: really
2: yeah i got i got a little uh kind of emotional think, thinking about when when the father was describing his time with his his wife and and there's like a lot that i didn't get into that was in the statement because he talked for like 15 minutes but but just you know the way he was like just saying man you know like all that stuff that that brought him pleasure all the extracurricular activities when he had regular movement over his you know his body and and you know he was able to talk and and speak and and eat the way he was normally able to do and have fun. All that being gone didn't make up for what he lost with his wife. I'm like, damn, that's heartbreaking.
3: Yeah. It's
2: pretty heartbreaking.
3: That that, that that does suck, you know, to see your wife get her life taken away from you right in front of you. And then when he came to screaming her name and no response, and yeah, man, that, that, that's not for suffering.
2: Yeah. And and that's another thing that if I'm a cop too, and that was one thing I didn't think about to just right now, picturing it like with him running out the front door, that should have told the cops something too. It's like, okay, he's trying to get away from the situation. So he's not running up there to check on his daughter, despite being shot. He's like, no, I got to get the hell out of here because she might off me. You know, at that point, he, Mm -hmm. you don't you don't trust her for crap. Mm -hmm.
1: I missed that too.
2: Yeah. I was just thinking about that right now. I'm like, yeah, holy crap. He'd rather go outside and take his chances than go up to see yeah, his, daughter.
3: Save his daughter. He left his daughter inside with the intruder.
2: Yep. <sighs> so any final thoughts yeah. on
3: this one, guys? My final thought is this. Don't shelter your kids. <laughs> they might off you. Yeah, if you're too hard on them, right? If you're too hard on them.
1: I've always agreed with that. When you hold a very tight leash on your children, they are bound to snap that leash and the outcome is not good ever.
2: Agreed.
1: Um, I think our parents, though, in those days, they were old school and it was different. Mm
4: -hmm. Like we,
1: we learned from the way they were what not to do with our children. But still at the same time, children appreciate everything your parents do no matter how hard they are
3: Mm -hmm. because you only got one parent
1: Yeah, yeah that's like how terrible i can't imagine his stomach sinking knowing like we we brought you into this world and we do everything to protect you The best they knew how to protect her and to make sure that she would thrive in her life. And that's what they got. That must have been a really, really terrible feeling.
3: And then the letdown, knowing that your daughter been lying to you this whole time. You ain't got good grades. She ain't been going to school. You know what I'm saying? So just the whole.
1: All the money you wasted on that child. Just like a turnaround, trying to get rid of you and succeeded with one of their parents
2: absolutely he found out the father found out about all that including the family in the case so he didn't even know about all that you know money being wasted and wow. her not being in college he found out about that in the court
3: Man.
2: wow yeah. Just, just for me though like too like um like what Gabby was saying like people should be more appreciative even if they're like and Matt same thing like if they're being helped by their family that much i mean think of the opposite you know some some people don't get any parents in their life or any kind of guidance or they get the raw end of it so it's like one one extreme to the other which one would you rather have i guess to each their own but damn i mean the last thing i would do is even if i'm being held down like that just run away you know what i mean like if if you can't stand it you
1: were an adult you were a grown-ass woman yeah Get a freaking job. Go with the man you want to be and let your parents be.
3: She was just that scared and sheltered.
2: Yeah, and she was thinking green. She couldn't
1: be that scared if she was living that fraudulent life for so many years.
3: I guess scared for them to find out.
2: Yeah, she kept the shred up the entire time. That's a long time. No,
1: it it just makes no sense. You're scared for your parents to find out that you're still with this guy and this is the life you want. You're scared that they're going to disown you, but you're not scared to kill them? It makes no sense.
3: She wanted that money.
2: It doesn't. And she's 24 years old, almost 25 at that point.
1: College (sighs) is not cheap. She got all the money she wanted. Yep. She wanted more. Yeah. Oh,
3: I hate her. <laughs> yeah, that's Jack, though, man. Yeah. Her her mother's no longer living because of her greed.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: think about—I mean,
1: sentiment, the
3: anger.
2: Mm-hmm. She heard them gunshots, and it, again, it didn't phase her. Matt picked up. Yeah, those on. tears
3: sounded fake.
2: Matt, yeah, you picked up on that right away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. As soon as she started crying to the cop, I whispered to Matt, "It was her." <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah you guys would be like uh you're not going to the hospital we gotta sit here and talk we about have
3: <laughs> yeah
2: have a seat right
1: put your hands behind your back i'm gonna tie you up for real <laughs>
2: yeah exactly <laughs> but again i, I would have just like <laughs> the first thing i would have thought about as a police officer was like shoelaces really shoelaces
3: <laughs> shoelaces would have been ripped
2: yeah or something i mean but you'll see I'll post pictures or you could see videos of the interrogation I'll put that up too um she's got that okay. dirt, nerd type look you know she looks okay. like a like a girl that would not pull this off at all or at least come wow, close to this dude. yeah she she doesn't look like it until you see her mugshot then you see the mugshot and you kind of see her blank stare and you're like yeah there's some evil in there <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there's some evil in there
1: it's cuz so all along she had a um portray the person that her parents thought she was and wanted her to be.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: And it was like once it was all said and done, she could be herself. And that's what she was, the devil.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, her wow. and her and Daniel will never meet up unless it's the year 2035 and above.
3: So. Well, we were right around the corner from that. <laughs> yeah, it's not that far off. They don't get out. Yeah. yeah.
2: So that's our story.
3: Well, thank you very much, Todd Fox, for breaking that down of the Pan family, or Pan. Uh, very interesting story. It had a, a lot of twists. And finally, we showed, uh competence of police officers.
1: Yes, kudos to the cops.
3: So we thank you for that, sir. Okay. And anyway, we thank you for all you guys listening in. Um, we appreciate uh, you guys tuning in to listen to us. Sorry. We appreciate everything that you guys do. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we sign off, I want to get you guys know again, where you can find us, find us on Instagram, Facebook, just type in the grinding two crimes. Uh, if you want to listen to us, once again, it's Podbeam, Spotify anchors, iTunes and Pandora. And for those listening to us outside of the country, we hope Canada is listening. Uh, continue to listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public Breaker, and Pocket Cast. By the way, if you are from Canada, if you like this story, tell us about it. If you have uh, heard about it or if there are some other details that um, uh, to the story that you want to add, just leave a comment and uh, we'll be intrigued by it. So um, if you want to uh, purchase merchandise, go to redbubble.com, type in Todd ToddFox80 for merchandise. And also... Um, let you guys know, um, we did have we do have Cash App if you guys want to donate or, you know, volunteer and send anything. Uh, we do have Cash App. All you have to do is type in dollar sign, writing two crimes. And if you would like to, there you are. So, with all that being said, this is Maddie Matt signing off with our narrator for today. Todd Fox. And the other host of the show. Gabby. And we are out of here.
1: Toodle.
3: Pace. Hey y- y'all!
2: Y'all come back now here. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> did that last part out? <laughs> oh.